The following is a paid commercial program, and the views expressed are those of the speaker and do not reflect the views or opinions of iHeartRadio, its staff, or management. Broadcasting live from the Santa Lucia Highlands through the heart of the Casterville Artichoke Fields, westward to the Elkhorn Slough, and south to the rugged Big Sur coastline, you're listening to What's the Plan? A weekly discussion with local thought leaders about the future of Monterey County. And now, here's your host, Mr. Paul Wyant. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of What's the Plan here on 1460 AM and 101.1 FM. We have the great pleasure of having back frequent guest and uh, local raconteur and restaurateur, uh, Mr. Kevin Phillips. Great, phenomenal guest, as always. Um, But before we get to Kevin, because Kevin's got a lot to say and great, great updates about his restaurants and things, um, I want to remind you that I'm Paul Wine, owner of Express Employment Professionals of Monterey County at Express. We can, of course, get great employees for your business now particularly now. Employment rate's really low. Need good employees? Uh, give us a call. 831-920-1857. And you can always Google um, Express Employment Professionals Monterey and you'll it'll take you right to our website, Five Star, on uh, Trustpilot and Google. Um, and you can listen to this program, all the episodes. So if you can't get enough of Kevin on this episode, you can go back and listen to the four or five or six or ten or how many of them there are of Kevin Phillips uh, in our archives uh, at whatstheplanmonterey.com. Kevin, as always, welcome to the show. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Paul. Some people need more cowbell. I guess maybe people need more Kevin. <laughs> yeah, more, just like more cowbell. If you can't get enough Kevin yeah. in this uh, thirty-minute segment, <laughs> you got it. So, Kevin, um, before we get to uh, you know uh, your the restaurants and all the delicious food, you know, and 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 get people on the road to steer to Abilinetti or the whaling station or the beach house or uh, the big fish or I'm sorry, Rockfish Harbor Grill. Um, let's talk a little bit about. And recently at Lovers Point near the beach house, uh, there was a, a shark attack. It, it, uh, a man, I think he was a paddleboarder. Or no, actually, he wasn't a paddleboarder. A paddleboarder saved him. He was out in the water and he was bit by a shark, I think, in his midsection and, and his hip. Um, were you at the restaurant that day, or can you do you have any uh, anything to relate about that story? Yeah, he, he was a swimmer. He's one of these, uh, he belongs to one of these swim clubs that swim regularly out there. And uh, interestingly enough, it was a day, the one day of the week they don't swim. And he was headed out there. He saw another member and asked him why he was going out. It was a beautiful warm day, and it was. So he went out solo uh, swimming, and he was on his way back uh, when that happened. So we, we saw the commotion. We heard sirens. We didn't at first know what was going on. When we finally did real, uh, realize when I remember that we have a we have a camera that faces uh, the pier at Lover's Point. So I went to the, the system, and sure enough, we, we saw the whole rescue which was really dramatic. A lot of people have seen it by now. But uh, the, the, we, we first saw the guy just slightly in frame, kind of thrashing around in the water. And uh, he, he said, uh, his account I read in the paper today said that it bit him, took him underwater for a few seconds, and then released him. And then it was swimming nearby him. They had kind of eye contact, and he punched and kicked it, and it took off. Uh, it was a large great white shark, estimated to be about 20 feet. So we, we, we saw the dramatic rescue. So a guy took a surfboard on top of another surfboard and went out there and they brought him and the paddleboarders assisted and brought him into the shore. So uh, just for the heck of it, I posted it to Facebook. The amazing thing that happened within 20 minutes of that, I got a call from CNN in Atlanta right after that NBC News out of New York and CBS News out of uh, Los Angeles. 
just a quick succession. And they all wanted to know if they, if I'd give them permission to use the footage, if they, if they gave me credit. I said, sure, that's fine. And this, this went on all evening. Uh, unbelievable a number of calls from media outlets wanted to use that footage. Well, yeah, I, I can see why, because that, uh, it's, it's pretty, it's dramatic. And that I think is the only, I mean, there might be some other cell phone footage of him coming in on the paddleboard or things like that, but it, yeah, you kind of, it's the whole event you, you guys captured unwittingly. That's, that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. And you, you're part of a, it's pretty big, uh, pretty big story after all. So another, another, another aspect to it is a friend of mine, Frank Knight has adventures by the sea. They rent, uh, uh, bikes and surfboards down here in kayaks. His mother uh, lives right across from Lover's Point. And he was telling her the story that evening. She said, well, what about our camera? And he forgot. He actually has a ring camera that looks out at the bay. His his video actually captured the, the attack. Wow. And he showed it to me. It was it was unbelievable. Guys <laughs> swimming, next thing you know, you see the shark comes up out of the water with him in his mouth and takes him under. And, <sighs> and it's about almost 10 full seconds then the guy popped up and he's thrashing around. So that was so late that the media outlets were already gone. So they didn't see that, but it was incredible. That's, that is amazing. Yeah. That, um, that's not, it's like, sounds like something like Richard Dreyfus out of Jaws almost, you know, the way you, <laughs> way you described that. So that's awful. Yeah. The guy. Amazing, uh, it, it, oh yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm just saying it's incredibly rare. It's an incredibly rare occurrence. Uh, it's been 70 years since it happened near Lover's Point where I think it was 17 year old boy was swimming out there and was actually killed by, by a shark but it's so incredibly rare but it just people just can't get enough of hearing about it it's amazing yeah it's uh and and he's been the 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 man who who was attacked he's been on uh like numerous uh t- he's been very gracious with his media presence because he, he's been all over the news uh you know speaking about his situation how lucky he was so good good uh just a, it's just a great. It's actually a, a really good um, positive story. His, um, I think his name. Do you happen to know his name? I think it's Neil. Is that? Uh, I can't remember. But when, when I when I look it up later, I'll uh, remind everybody of that. I, the next thing I wanted to uh, ask you about, and this may seem a little bit eccentric or a little bit off topic, but they're changing out the um, the parking kiosks in in Monterey, and the, and that. I don't know how does that affect your your businesses on the wharf because I've gotten a ticket there before unwittingly because I didn't realize that you know what I was doing and uh, it's easy to do like if you're just there for 20 minutes you get a ticket in that parking lot so is that an improvement you asked for is it something you're aware of or you you're probably actively interested in the parking situation in that lot. We're definitely aware of it and I think the the most intriguing aspect to me is the fact that this is the second time in as many years that they've changed the, the parking equipment and they did both right in the middle of summer. So I, I don't know whose idea that was, but probably could have been picked a better time to do it. Yeah, they're going they're going for automation. That's been that's been the goal all along is to reduce the incredible cost of having people out there taking money and doing that sort of thing. But I will tell you that in my view, my in my experience, the, the parking enforcement is by far the most efficient department in the city. They're on on top of it. They also, and most people don't know this, but the money that's raised through parking is separate from the general fund. It's their own little, uh, it's called an enterprise fund. 
and it's separate from the general fund. So they're, they're very protective, which is why they torpedoed our longstanding free parking for locals um, just before summer, and it's now ended after about 20 years. Yeah, I it, it kind of... Um, I, I often... I've talked to, to, to Clyde Roberson about it, too, because they mm-hmm. did something in Ventura, which I think they should do here, which is um, they do parking meters like on on main street in Ventura and then they make the parking garages free. So basically they're encouraging you to park in the parking garage and walk. And then places like Fisherman's Wharf or, or the main street would have the parking meters. And and it seems to increase the number. It's good for business, but for some reason we're opposed to that. We like these two hour zones downtown. And why did they get two hour zones downtown? It's almost biased against your restaurants on the Fisherman's Wharf because people got to pay to go to your restaurant, or they can walk all the way from downtown. So, which if they if they walk from downtown in a two hour spot, go to Avalanetti's, enjoy one of their delicious meals that you guys serve up over there, and then walk back, it's going to be more than two hours, and they're going to get a ticket. So, I uh, probably yeah, don't hold your breath for any park any parking relief uh, from the city of Monterey. Uh, that's 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 for sure. And they tell us that the tourists tell them every day. That they're they're amazed how cheap the parking is here compared to uh, other, you know, uh, major areas. Yeah, I, it's. I, and another thing too, by the way, is in San Jose and Santa Cruz, they use a they use a, a vendor called Park Mobile. It's a very mm-hmm. that's yeah. an extraordinarily convenient. Uh, they they have an app that you can you can use, and I don't know this new this new thing this Flowbird. In your parking lot, I don't know if they have the same thing, but it's just another app to download. But I really, I, I do like Park Mobile, like when I'm in Santa Cruz or San Jose. So, but getting well, if, on you the, go, if you go to oh, the yeah. San, if you go to the San Francisco Giants game, you can no longer pay cash to park. You have to do it online. Oh, you have to use we a smartphone. A little while ago, yeah. yeah, yeah, you cannot you cannot pay pay to park, even though it's oh, it's fifty dollars now to park for the Giants. The only fifty dollars. That's like you know, I, I I lost one of the fobs to my car, and I went and I went to the dealership. Oh, I won't name the thing, and I asked them how much is a new fob, and they said eight hundred dollars. And I go, why not five thousand? I mean, it's just why you can just name whatever you want. So it's kind of like parking at the Giants game. Why fifty? Why stop there? Why not go to one hundred fifty or two hundred, uh, Kevin? But anyway, <laughs> uh, on parking, uh, the other thing too is that parking lot. Uh, and I know this uh, on good faith. Uh, we talked to the owner of Russo and Steel, Drew. I don't know. If you, do you know Drew? Uh, you oh. probably do. Oh, okay. He he's the guy that uh, does the uh, car auction in your parking lot there, right by Fisherman's Wharf every um, every car week. Right. They're not coming right. this year, so I'm not sure if there's no activity in that parking lot. What uh, does that mean? Is that good for business? Do you think? Well, it can only help. Uh, it's been several years now that the city's turned over the waterfront parking to the to the uh, uh, auction auction outlets, and so they, in effect, barricade off access to the wharf. So the effect was has been that the Car Week is the biggest week of the entire year for the minor Peninsula as far as guest activity. There's no no doubt about it. Uh, but it's not a good week for the wharf uh, because it's it's isolated. And regulars, locals don't come because they think there's big crowds down there, ironically. It's sort of similar to what happened when Hill Beach moved all the parking to Fort Ord for AT&T and U.S. Open. Really a move for them. They have a captive audience, uh, but it took away the opportunity that all the restaurants in Carmel, Pacific Grove, and Monterey had when the people were leaving, leaving through the gates at the end of the day. 
Now they bust them to Fort Ord and they head back to the Bay Area. They're not going to come back to Monterey. So those are, those are changes that you know, sometimes you don't understand the consequences of the of the action that's taken, but something that we've become used to. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, um, I you know, on that note too, it's like I know you're you're friendly with the city manager uh, Hans and and the and the city government of Monterey. Let's we can ship the Pacific Grove because you also have a restaurant over there, but. Um, the, recently, it's come out that um, that Clyde is not going to run for re-election, and uh, right. I'm not sure who he's throwing his weight behind. But uh, I think some of the folks that are running are, um, uh, let's see, uh, who do you, Tyler Williamson I think is running, and then the and then there's a uh, section that's got two council members now, and they're going to split it up so two people from the same uh, neighborhood can't run. And I believe one of those guys, Dan. I think is going to run, but I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure about that. Can you clear up any yes. missed facts yeah. I have about that? Yeah. Yeah. Dan Albert jr. Is running and, uh, Clyde supporting him as are we, uh, his father is a, was a legendary mayor of Monterey and, uh, football coach at high school. And someone that we all really love that guy, uh, Dan Albert senior. And, uh, we're, you know, it's a, it's a five member council, so it doesn't take a lot, to swing it one way or another. So uh, with with both of them running for mayor, that means one of them will no longer be on the council. So there's a potential for a, a real major shift in you know the approach and perspective of what happens politically in, in Monterey. Who, who's running for Tyler's seat? Because Dan's seat will be taken over by, I can't remember the other councilman that, that's in that district, but or that section but uh i wonder who's running for tyler's seat i don't know if that's been announced or anything but that'd be interesting it's, it's open yeah the, the, the for people to sign uh, papers is it's open now that's why we just recently heard about clyde and about dan we already knew about uh, tyler wow that's yeah that certainly is uh it's pretty pretty interesting um development so more to follow on that yeah dan albert has been on the show before as well so uh, if you're just tuning in, I'm talking to Kevin Phillips, owner of four local restaurants. You have Abilinetti, uh, the Whaling Station, um, the Rock Harbor, um, the Rockfish Harbor Grill. I'm gonna I'm gonna mess that up every time I say it, Kevin. I think <laughs> the Rock Harbor. <laughs> I have to think about it. The Rock because it's your newest restaurant, the Rock Harbor uh, Bar and Grill, and then uh, the Beach House as well. So, and you're this is 101.1 FM and 1460 AM. Um, so that that's interesting. Now let's shift because we just we were just talking about Monterey. I don't know if you want we can talk about Monterey politics all day if you want. But I also, uh, Amy Tomlinson and uh, Jenny McAdams are not running for re-election in the uh, Pacific Grove City Council race, and they do have. I mean, they, you saw a lot of impact from their decisions, like with the parklets uh, during the. Uh, pandemic so what are your thoughts on the the pg um little shake up first of all it's the only two women on the council uh currently um and uh, of course uh the other thing is i've always wondered why uh there's seven people on the council i've never understood why there needs to be seven there's a current uh, proposal uh, being put forward to to reduce it to five and like everything else in pacific grove that thought alone is so divisive that we couldn't even come to a conclusion that the chamber that everybody that everybody could agree on <laughs> so, you know, whether, and, and I think I think it should be five I think seven doesn't make sense to me to have seven 
But uh, yeah, we go back. We started working with the council here in 2010 or in 2011. We're starting the Beach House Project. So we're very involved in the meetings and with staff. And uh, I don't, I don't, I try not to get too much into politics. It's not necessarily good for my business to alienate half of our clients. But I can tell you this, that we've had a very different experience uh, as business people in Pacific Grove and versus Monterey. Uh, you mentioned parklets. That's a great example. The city of Pacific Grove was just couldn't have been more helpful. I mean, to, to get our parklet built at the beach house, which we desperately needed at the time, uh, they brought the, the, the building um, the, the building department representative down and a planner from city. They kind of waved their arms about where we could build it, turned over to the contractor, and within a couple of weeks, it was in. So we went from nine tables to 19 tables, which helped us mainly, the most importantly, hold on to our staff. Uh, the city of Monterey, I submitted a formal application to convert some, some uh, parking places in front of the waiting station steakhouse uh, into outdoor dining. And as of today, I'm still waiting for a response. <laughs> so, so, you, so in, in contraband to the yeah. law, against the law, you built that thing, operated it for two, a year and a half, two years or whatever, and then took it down and they still haven't approved it. Well, I guess that's one way to govern. It's like they didn't bother you while it was up. So, <laughs> Well, actually, no, they, they never, they, they, they didn't respond at all. So I turned to our landlord, Cairo Company, because they, the, the parking wasn't being used because of the pandemic. The, the aquarium was closed. So I asked them if I could put a tent in their parking lot, which is behind our, our restaurant. And they said I could. They didn't even give it a second thought. So I said, sure, go ahead. So we put up, we rented a 4,500 square foot tent from uh, uh, Chic uh, Party Rentals oh, yeah. in Monterey. Yep. It's like a, and it, it was a beautiful tent. And then Alfredo and his staff went in and put up string lights, uh, art from the restaurant, put a bar in there. It was tables run. I mean, they, they made it feel about as much like a restaurant as you could imagine. And incredibly we were in there for nine months all of the city contributed was coming around hassling us all the time about one side being too open or where's the fire extinguisher or whatever which they did regularly but what we, we never they never shut us down and we can and and what i always say about that paul is that we didn't really make money doing that but it kept our staff together otherwise we might have had to close the waiting station for up to a year and if anybody knows the waiting station it's not about me it's about Alfredo and Paul and Jumbo and the Chef David and all these people that have spent decades working there and, and you know, nurturing the culture of what makes that restaurant so great. Yeah. Well, I don't want to uh, – this is not Kevin's opinion. This is mine, is that the TOT tax that Monterey enjoys, they, they're just – they're happy with it. So they could, for example, let a beautiful uh, you know, 3,000-square-foot restaurant – might may or may not have been called scales sit unoccupied for going on two years now just you know almost like out of petulance <laughs> they just that's fine you know they, they can do that because the tot tax i mean they're just i mean i won't say monterey's awash with cash but they have they have a a, a pretty healthy budget compared to pg so it's it is i think they have fewer worries about um you know catering to all the small businesses which is unfortunate well, here, so that's my opinion that's my opinion yeah. Here's the most interesting thing that I've learned recently about Scale. So Scale's been closed for a year. Uh, a year ago, the fast food thing was still open there. It closed the end of July. So they report quarterly. They finished their fiscal year last month. You know that since Scale's closed, the revenue on Fisherman's Wharf to the city of Monterey has increased. What? How, how so do you explain? Can you? Yeah. 
Explain that. That's yeah, comparing so to 19, right? You're, com you're comparing this to 19, right? Hopefully, or it's 18 or something, right? This is all right? time. This is yeah. all, all, this is all time, all time record revenues wow. they're, they're, they're collecting. And the reason is, first of all, what Scales did was dilute the opportunity for all the businesses on the wharf. I think you know, all the businesses. I mean, every business. Uh, it, it took business, and there's not new business being built there. So it, that, that's what it really effectively did. Uh, they cut our fast food business at Abilene. We have a little side thing called the Fish Chips Cafe where we serve fish, walk away fish and chips and calamari and so on. Delicious. Delicious. And that cut that, <laughs> that cut that business more than half when scales open. Theirs was big and beautiful, bigger menu, and it was first. So people saw it first before ours. So it, it closed the end of July and now we've got lines every day at Abilinetti, um, business we haven't seen before. So there's a big, big shift in that revenue. So the revenue that Scales was, was doing spread back around I, to all the restaurants. I don't want to say there. this, Kevin, but you undermine my point and I, and it may be the, maybe the city is brilliant, uh, in there and the, what they did. I, you know, I, 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 but now you've piqued my interest because my wife and I, we, you know, I, we see us walking around all the time. So if we walk up to that Abilinetti, uh, takeaway stand. What what can we get? Describe the describe the food because mm -hmm. I'm already I'm I'm ready to go. So what 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 can we get it's there? Built, the, the, the concept is built on what I call the the holy trinity of the fisherman's wharf food, which is uh, calamari, fish and chips, and chowder and bread bowl. Those are the three. Those are three things that everybody serves and that everybody generally wants when they come down there. So, so a couple of years ago, with the pandemic, I kind of stripped the menu a little bit to focus on doing those things very well and very efficiently. Uh, so we even, it even has its own kitchen now. Uh, right mm. next to it, there's a station with, with three banks of fryers and a guy that's only cooking for the cafe. And what that allowed us to do was increase the, the production for both the restaurant and the cafe without stressing the staff. That's my biggest concern was that that cafe business grew and put a lot of stress on the kitchen crew because they're cooking for that and for the restaurant. That's wow. That's great. You know what it reminds me of? Cause we lived in Seattle. They, you know, when you go to the public market there, you can get all, all kinds of foods wrapped in newspaper or whatever, and you just walk around with it. And that, it kind of reminds me of that. So, so how, what do you get? So if, if I ordered some calamari from the walk-up stand, how do, how do I eat it? Yeah, we have tables. We've got uh, four picnic tables outside. We've got five tables inside and this, it's quick. I mean, people sit down, have a basket of calamari. It's going to be 15 minutes and they're gone. And so the tables turn very quickly. A lot of people do walk around the wharf, although the city doesn't provide any seating to speak of anywhere, which is kind of a shame. No benches, table, yeah, picnic that, tables or anything. I, I'm going to interrupt you because it's, and I say this every time you're on the show, Kevin, they need picnic tables on top of Rockfish Harbor. I, I, it would be, they just <laughs> well, so much just puts, I know it will never happen, but it's, it's, it's kind of frustrating you to no end because it's, it's like you've got this. Probably one of the nicest spaces, in, and I forget it. You stop, but uh, it's just uh, that drives you up the wall. Uh, are you going to run for PG City Council? That's my that's my next question. I'm going to just I shift gears completely. <laughs> I have tremendous respect for anybody that's willing to do that kind of thing. I really, I really do because I go to the meetings, which are still most of them are still on Zoom now, but uh, uh, it's a lot. I mean, it's a lot of time that people get, and I, I have a lot of respect for. The, the, not necessarily all the people, but the time that they do put in and all they have to read and listen to. It's tough. I'm, I'm glad there are people that are, that are willing, that are willing to do that. I was recently, I'm on the board of the Pacific Oak Chamber of Commerce and they just recently created a succession line for who is going to be the next chair chairperson. And uh, they asked me and I, I, I turned them down only I'm, I'm sincerely honored 
to be even thought of to be part of that group of the chamber. I really am. But that's the same problem is when you get when you get to that level of a chairperson, it starts to be a little too political. Mm, yeah. uh, you spend a little time at the Beach House Bar and you'll hear uh, <laughs> how polarizing all the issues are. <laughs> Yes, yeah. and I just simply don't comment on them because uh, it's it's not it's not in our in our best interest. Yeah, that's why we have Dan Albert or uh, not Dan Albert. I'm sorry, uh, Dan uh, Miller on the show is to to, to dish the dirt of uh, of great. Pacific Grove. He's he's a crack up. Um, the uh, yeah, that's great, and they've been doing really well since Mo Mo Amar, the former um, uh, he was the permanent uh, employee of the PG. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Chamber yeah, of Commerce, yeah, and he yeah. just left, and and you guys have been doing pretty good, at, even in his absence. It seems like things are going pretty well over there. So, we were very fortunate because Jenny McMurdo, who used to run the Carmel Chamber, is now running as of the first of the year, and she's great. She has great energy. Uh, she's really dedicated to that work, and we're we're really lucky to have her here in Pacific Grove. And she is she's a very nice person. Um, let's do. Let's cover your restaurants real quick, so we can we can t- talk about the stroganoff, which I had a plate of the other day at the <laughs> beach house. Gosh, that is so good! You know, I think the secret ingredient is stuff that you probably shouldn't eat, Kevin. It's you know from like uh, butter and those kind of things because it's just so good. It's very savory and delicious. That that uh, that stroganoff is God. It's good. So uh, that's my pick I'll at the beach I'll house. Tell you, <laughs> can I tell you a secret? See, no one's listening, right? A little secret about no. restaurant food. Uh, yeah, go ahead. what it's all about is salt and fat. <laughs> and, yes. and, yep. You know, really, uh, I used to run. I used to run the Carmel Ranch. I was food and beverage director at the hotel, and I ran the golf club. And so we had a new club manager came in. He said, "You know, we need to, we need more healthy options on the menu." And I said, "Well, just tell me what you want. We'll put it on there." So we ran menu surveys, and the three the three best selling items. On our, on our menu up to the, the uh, up to that, that point before we changed the menu was was hot dogs, cheeseburgers, and clubhouse sandwiches. So he wanted me to put on uh, like a Tahitian fruit salad, uh, Chinese chicken salad, uh, all these different things. We did that for six months. We ran the report again, and the highest, most popular items were hot dogs, cheeseburgers, and clubhouse sandwiches. Of course. And so yeah. I told him. I, I told him. I said, you know, when you first brought this idea to me, I wanted. I, I didn't want to discount it, but I wanted to tell you that. These guys come to the golf course, their doctor's not with them, their wives usually aren't with them, and they're doing what they want to do. And golf is one sport where you eat and drink before, during, and after while you're playing it. So it all goes together, and that's why they that's why they, they love those things. And they're, you and don't, they're enjoying their time doing that. Yeah. Uh, to your point, you don't go to the whaling station for rice cakes and hummus. You go there for a big, <laughs> juicy steak that's delicious. That's right. <laughs> so uh, exactly, and I'm saying do it every. I mean, I wouldn't mind if you do it every day, but you don't do it every day. That's a yeah. treat. It's something special. Celebrating something, especially at the waiting station. That's a you know, it's a celebratory thing. Although the beach house, you know, we're in our tenth year now, as of last month, and it's become a place now. It's becoming a destination for people too, for birthdays, anniversaries, and that sort of thing. So uh, we we really love that. I'm going to ask the Sophie's choice of Kevin Phillips. You're here, Mark Carbonero, to hear that this is finally going to be decided. Is the view better at the beach house or Abilinetti? <laughs> That's my question. The, uh, more, uh, no, a, a, a better question would be, is the view better at the Beach House or Rockfish Harbor Grill? That is it's beautiful there as well, yeah. Rockfish Harbor Grill, and, and I'll help you remember the name in the future, Paul. So think of Rockfish <laughs> because we celebrate Rockfish, which is one of the great, most sustainable, tasty fish you'll ever find along it's the way. It's amazing. 
It is amazing. Yes, I yeah. yeah, love it. And we use it for our fish and chips at both wharf restaurants. No one else is doing that. So it's locally sourced uh, rockfish. Uh, local is called rock cod. It's interchangeable. But that's rockfish. And uh, no, rockfish's views are unparalleled uh, probably anywhere in the peninsula because you, you're surrounded by the harbor. Uh, not only the boats, but the wildlife. And at night, we used to have a restaurant, Camry Row. At night, you're looking out at a big black hole. There's nothing. You can't see anything out the windows, but people want to sit at the window. But at Rock, Rock to Sharper Grill, there's views in every direction. Even in the evening, the boats are lit up. Uh, they're, 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 sometimes right now, they're unloading squid and that sort of thing. It's always activity to see. Well, what is it? Because there was something going on with the seals. Was it just nature? Was it, quote, unquote, nature with the seals? Because they were going insane like two weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. Uh, is it, was it mating yeah. season? Yeah, must have been. That's what it's the beginning of it. And I found some old videos I took of, of the opposite side of the wharf uh, and 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 over there there was even more of them but they're doing their mock fights and things before they head out there to do their mating uh, well mating. kevin i uh it's the end of another half hour man you were so much you were a lot of fun <laughs> to talk to i think everybody will agree um you're the owner of rockfish harbor grill i got it and uh, apple and eddie uh <laughs> the whaling station and the beach house so uh I, I just really appreciate it when you come on the program. Great uh, discussing the restaurants. And uh, if you're driving right now, go visit Kevin at one of those. Tell him Kevin Saint. I'm Paul Wine, owner of Express Employment Professionals. Uh, Google Express Employment Professionals in Monterey County and uh, click on us and order up some uh, some great staff. We can help you out. I want to thank Mark Carbonero, the greatest producer in the business. And, of course, David Marzetti, the host of the Saturday morning Shagbag radio show right here on 101.1 FM and 1460 AM. Catch us next week at 1030. The preceding was a paid commercial program, and the views expressed are those of the speaker and do not reflect the views or opinions of iHeartRadio, its staff, or management.